Today on the show, we seize the facility, fight for freedom, and learn the value of swimming lessons. Welcome to the Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and themes behind some of our favorite universes. As always, I'm Jaden. And I'm Kevin. And today we are talking about Prison Break in Space. space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is the one, man. This is this is an exciting episode. This is very, very good. Absolutely. And I, I think it needs to be said that this was a shorter, I think this was the shortest episode of Andor yet. Yeah. But it was so action-packed that I mean. There's some things we have to talk about. Uh, a lot of it's visual, so we don't want to just like, and then they move left, and then they move right. We're going to kind of <laughs> gloss over that stuff, but the speeches are the the bread and butter of this episode, and we're going to get to those in detail. But before that, we need to do a little housekeeping. Uh, we love to hear from our listeners, so please email us at podcast.loreparty.com with your thoughts and questions. You might just see them in a future episode. Yeah, we have gotten some emails, so uh, yes, thank you. We will be sending out all our replies. Uh, keep them coming. Keep them coming. Absolutely. You can find Kevin at In the Loop on Twitter and K slash Loops on Twitch and Instagram. And you can find Jaden here at Mister Jad J on Instagram and Twitter. And of course, you can connect with the Lore Party team on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch at Lore underscore Party. Now, before we jump into everything, we're going to take a quick break. All right, now that's done, let's get into it. But before we do, as always, major spoilers for episode 10. So if you have not seen episode 10 or any of the other episodes in this fantastic series, please get off your ass, go watch them, and come back. (laughs) Seriously, though, this one has a lot of spoilers in it, so... Just make sure you, you you watch this. Absolutely. We begin the episode with poor Olaf, his body being sealed up in a body bag and being wheeled out past the workers of Night Shift. Meanwhile, Kino and Andor, they get back into the, the chamber room. They put their new uniforms on for the night. I guess their pajama uniforms. And then they begin this fierce debate on when they should break out. And it it's funny because Kino was very... He was very serious about escaping, you know, in that last shot of the last episode. But in this episode, he's like, well, now, hold on. I thought we had time to plan. But Andor's like, no, it has to be tonight like, or tomorrow. Like, we got to go. We're leaving tomorrow. Yeah, the he's all gung-ho for going. But he, I don't know if he even realizes the other guys were planning. You know, Kino's supposed to know everything on the floor, right? Like, he's supposedly supposed to know everything. I don't know... If that's like, you know, no, I, I disagree. I think he I think he definitely knew because Andor is asking him questions that could only be used in an escape. You know, he's not like he was making a scrapbook of fun facts about the prison. Yeah, true. But like he doesn't know that they've already been planning. Does that, Do you know what I mean? Like it, he's been working at it uh, for a while, uh, Cassian and, and his group. So I don't know how much Kino knows. Um, but anyway, after this part, they return to their cell and they tell the entire group of their block, their unit, about the massacre, 
on on level two. And Kino then has a moment before all this. He's kind of like sitting there contemplating, thinking, listening to what everybody's saying. They're arguing. They're like, well, what do we do? What do we do? And he's just like, that's it. And he confirms everything that did happen. He goes, yeah, it's true. Okay. It is true. And we are going to pretend like, you know, nothing happened. We are going to put on this fake mask that, you know, we don't know. And he kind of like, they start to kind of like plan out their next day. Before we get to that, though, we have to cut over to the ISB, and they are uh, currently tracking that ship, that captured rebel ship that they uh, got a hold of in the previous episode. The plan was to set it adrift, make the pilot look like he had been killed on re-entry from hyperspace from a, I guess, a freezing coil mishap to a freezing yeah, solid. Yeah, something like that. So they're tracking it, and then uh, one of the Imperial supervisors, his name is Lonnie, we learn later, tells the ISB director, hey man, shouldn't we send a ship to investigate? Because that's what we would normally do if we found a ship in distress floating out in the middle of the ocean, or this ocean, the space. And he was like, absolutely, we should do that. Go do that. And Deidre gets kind of a weird look on her face at that suggestion, which, but I I read it as someone is interfering with her plan, less though than she was suspicious of him. That's kind of how I thought too. But I do think that it makes sense, right? Yeah, you keep up appearances. Because it'd be weird if someone didn't search that ship. Exactly. That shows, though, that like she's she's a little distracted with her ambition, and she's not thinking about it at all angles. Yep. Well, and also we we find out that Lonnie's been doing this for a long time, so like he's probably laid more than one trap for yeah. you know rebels. So he probably knows yeah. more about the stuff. She's very new to the supervisor position. You know, she's conducted yep, yep, interrogations yep. and things like that uh, before, but I don't think she's ever launched, like, a big military operation like this. Yeah. After this, we go to the dawn of the prison break. Kino is telling his men that they are already dead, basically. That's it. You're already pretty much dead. Yep. It's now or never. We're not getting out. The only way we are getting out is if we try to get out. Yep. They begin their shift as normal, and they're waiting for the new man to arrive. And everybody's aware of what's going on. They're very hyper-aware of the whole situation. Yeah. You can tell the whole floor is in on it now. They're all like, all right, cool, let's fucking go. Nobody, not one person is against this. They are all one unit ready to go. Yep. And I think that's part of the uh, appeal that Andor got of getting Keen on his side, is that this is the guy who... This has been their their point of authority for the last, you know, however long they've been there. And this guy's telling him, hey, new plan. We're going to fuck this place up and get out. Yeah. You know, they want that guidance from exactly. him. He's been doing it for a very long time. So when he's on board, it's like, all right, let's fucking go. Yep. It's all the support Andor needed to get this plan working. But before we get to the actual break, we have to cut back to Ferrix, where we find out that Marva is getting sicker. In fact, she stopped taking her meds. Uh, the doctor's coming to visit her, and some people in the town who are helping take care of Marva are telling him, like, hey, she's hiding her meds when we don't look. She's not taking them. She's just getting colder. We find out, too, that it, they're not the only ones worried about her. The Rebels and now the ISB both have people spying on her covertly. You know, Sintas uh, and then uh, one of... Daedra's aides are both like on opposite sides of the street just staring at her and I think it's so funny that they're so close to each other and ha- and have no interaction or no knowledge that they're there. So after this we go to Mon Mothma and she's having her meeting with Davo Skuldon. Is that how you pronounce it? 
Davo. Yeah, it's like it's like what they couldn't have called him like Kevin Scumbag, yeah. you know? Okay. All right. Hi. Hello. Ouch. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So this uh, Jaden jerk face here, uh, we learn a lot about Shandrillian uh, culture, right? So it's an old historical order. We learn more about like the whole, you know, kids getting married thing at like a young age, you know, sixteen. Uh, the way these marriages are arranged. Turns out Game of Thrones is alive and well in the Star Wars yeah. universe. They made it past. Westeros became Shandrilla. Seriously. It's really gross. Davo uh, agrees to move the money in exchange for one thing. And she's like, hey, I'll pay you. I'll pay. And he's like, no, no, no. No, 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 no. And she's like, no, 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 no. I don't no, want to no. owe a favor. That's the biggest thing. She said, I don't want to owe any favors. And he's like, well, I don't want any money. Don't worry about it. I want one thing. I want an arranged marriage between your daughter and my son, as is tradition. And he doesn't even say that right away. He says, I just want them to meet. That's all. He literally was just like, hey, two wealthy teenagers hanging out unsupervised. Who knows what they're going to get up to? And I'm like, that's fucking weird, man. I mean, you're right. You're right. He's uh, he's kind of creepy. But she's like refuses outright. And she's like, no. And he goes, I'll let you think about it. And she's like, I'm not. And then like very, very blunt. She's very blunt. Like, no. Yeah. She says, I'll still pay you. But he's like, no. Pretty much she just kicks him out of the house. Yeah, we're learning that Mon Mothma has limits. I think that's what separates her from Luthen. Is like, I think Luthen, if we don't know if he has family, but if Luthen had a daughter to marry off, he would be like, absolutely. You want the wedding on the 12th or the 15th? <laughs> well, here's the other thing. So remember in the last couple of episodes, we've been talking about how she is in a cage of Coruscant almost, but specifically her own house. She can't act the way she normally would. She's mostly has this... Uh, facade going on of who she really is, right? This is one of the first times we see her outright just be like, fuck off, get out. Like, no. I liked that. I thought that was really cool. But also, she, she's she been compromising as of late with everything that's been going on. She's, I would say, stooping lower in her um, actions. Like, she's, like, being more oh, okay yeah. with stuff. But then this is just, like, bottom of the barrel. Like, she's like, no, no fucking way. This is, no, no, absolutely not. Yep. She has, she's a criminal, but she has the principles. You gotta remember, like, there's not a lot of, there's, in the eyes of the Empire, there's not much of a difference between her and Davo. In fact, honestly, the Empire probably likes Davo a little better, because it makes their money easier to hide. Quote criminal in air quotes there only because, like, is she really a criminal? She's a criminal by their laws and rules. By the Empire, she is. We know her as a hero. But no, by the Empire standards, she is a traitor. This guy is a criminal, though. This guy is definitely a criminal criminal. (laughs) He's not a bad. He's a cool criminal. You know, I'm not a bad mom. I'm a good mom. I hide rich people's money. Well, like, he's the rich version, Shandrillian version of the Shandrillian hut clan. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's very pompous and like, oh, yeah, oh no, yes, exactly. I'm, a, I'm a rich criminal. <laughs> like, that's that's kind of what he is. What did I say in a previous episode when they introduced Davo? I was like, this dude's probably just going to be like a white collar criminal. Yep. Just like, not even, he's a Shandrillian version of a criminal. Yeah, They're yeah. like, oh my God, you jaywalked once. <laughs> Yeah. Inconceivable. <laughs> exactly. So we then cut to Luthen, who's working in his shop. And I don't know, every time we cut to Luthen's shop, there's always a cool little like Easter egg yep. in the building. This time it was uh, one of Padme's headdresses from, I, I believe it was Attack of the Clones. Oh, I did not see that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's just sitting on the, it's sitting in the, it, 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 he's looking at it when he's moving some, some pieces around. 
and uh, his assistant walks in and is like, she's flustered. She's like, hey, she says like a bunch of code words. She's like, oh, you know, like the, the, the stairwell was marked and then this thing was broken off. And he's like, oh, well, then I guess he's made contact. And she, we're like, well, who is he? And he goes, well, he hasn't made contact in a year. I better go talk to him. And the assistant's like, no, 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 I'll go. And he's like, no, he's been expecting me. So it's like, ooh, who's he going to go meet? That's a nice little cliffhanger. So after that, we go to the prison again. The prison team is beginning their prep, gathering tools. They're like hiding tools in their jackets and their uniforms. And everybody's just getting ready. You know, they're getting ready to go. Yeah, they're just grabbing like like parts and spanners and loose wires and stuff. It's kind of funny. And they're doing a really good job of making it look like they're still working, which is really cool. Yep. So Cassian goes back to the bathroom, starts sawing on that pipe that we saw in the last episode. The guards are starting to move around upstairs. We see them getting doing the same thing that they were doing with Cassian. Cassian, you know, when they're checking in people. Taking a long time. They're late. They're just like, I'm bored. Like, oh, come on, another guy. Like, they're not good at their job. Let's be real here. They're really not. I love there's a this great little scene in there where, like, they're all pretending to work until the guard looks into the room. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And then then the second he stops looking in the room, that's when they really get their gear ready. Yup, yup, yup. So Cassian's messing with this pipe. And it starts to leak just a little bit. He's, like, excited. Like, all right, let's fucking go. And the guards just keep doing their thing. And and there's a lot of anxiety here and tension because you can feel back the back and forth between both yep. of these scenes. You know, the guards doing their thing, Cassian trying to do it. And then you get all the people in the room just, like, looking around, like, where, like come on, where's the water? Where's Cassian? What's going on? Finally, the guard opens the door, and Cassian rips open the pipe, And water just starts pouring all over the floor. He's drenched, mind you. He runs out and gets on program, like everybody else on program. Hearing Kino say, like, get on program, like, on program. Like, it's so badass because he's, like, super serious. And Cassian's standing there soaking wet, and everybody just kind of looks at him. And he's drenched, and they're like, all right, it's fucking on. Let's go. It goes. So the new man and the guard, they get onto the elevator and it starts to lower like every other day. But Cassian takes uh, like a little, I, I don't want to, I guess like a, a truncheon or like a, you know, a club. Yeah. And he, he just jams it into the lift to stop it from coming down. And that's when Kino gives the fucking order. He goes, attack. And they just start throwing everything that they can at the guards. And it's just chaos. So there's, you know, the two soldiers at the top with the blasters, they start firing indiscriminately into the crowd. <laughs> the one guard who's on the bottom of the platform even fucking kills the new man that they were bringing down onto the floor, which I was like, that guy got a raw deal, man. That sucks. But the new guy was fighting with them. Like, he instantly That's knew true. what was going on. And and Cassian's group, they were arguing prior to this whole thing. They were like, I don't know if I can do this. Uh, what's his name? The guy who Cassian put out earlier he was like yeah it was his idea you know to switch yeah he was like scared he was terrified and another dude is like we're dead either way like yep. fucking let's go the guy who tells him we're dead either way gets shot trying yeah. to like he, you know protect them too almost and so it's just all chaos and hell breaks loose it's crazy the guard inside the building he goes oh crap we need to activate the floor and as he goes to activate it i guess there's like a little warning thing because Kino tells everyone to get on the tables yep Almost all of them make it to the tables. One guy does not. The one guy who doesn't, he is standing in water. Yes. So the so the current fries him. But it also fries the electricity in the floor. Yeah. Which means that there is no possible way 
to shock them once they climb up to the upper level. Because of course there wouldn't be. That's where the Imperials are. That's why they're armed on those levels. That's what Cassian realized. So Kino gives the order to advance and Cassian's climbing up the side. He grabs, you know, one of the guards, drops him, grabs his gun and just just kills all of them. Well, he kills that guy point blank, like doesn't even think like a second. Like he gives no fucks. When I was watching the episode, I tweeted, I was like, Cassian Andor gives no fucks and I'm here for it because he grabs the guy's gun and the guy is clearly like terrified and he doesn't even think. He just turns, boom, done and just keeps walking. I was like, that is so badass. So after this badassness, the Imperials now know something's wrong. They are running around, like, radioing their, saw, like, a light flicker and stuff. Like, they, they know something's up. But they don't know what. And both sides start arming themselves. The prisoners end up liberating another shift as Kino and Cassian ascend the stairs. And, and that's the whole thing is they're running around trying to tell other groups like hey go 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 let's go let's go yep. these other rooms they can see the guards shooting and all these explosions happening through that little baby window because every room is the exact same and they can see through that little window where they normally watch the yep. guard they could see all the stuff happening they're like what the fuck's going on then the doors are opening they're like let's go come on we're getting out of here come on and then everybody's like what the fuck and, all right cool and like they're going it's it's wild it's so cool it's awesome so cassian and kino they reach the control room where they're all trying to like, they're trying to fry everybody. They're literally yeah. like, okay, we got to kill everyone. We got to kill everyone. But then they get in there and Kino gives no fucks. He's like, all right, you know, get this, you know, you need to turn off all the power. The guy's like, I can't. The Kino fucking kills a guy <laughs> in the room. Yeah, he just shoots him. No, you can. And you will do it now. And so then they, they shut down the entire prison's power. The backup power kicks on, but the floors are dead. And it will take, they said, I think it's said months to get them back up. Yeah, because it's hydropower. Again. It's hydropower. Yeah. Cassian, you know, says to Kino, hey, you need to tell everyone what's going on. So the comms are still working somehow greatly. I'm happy that they Well, they have like a backup power this. thing and it's, I, it's. Yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess telling people what to do would be important for backup power. It's, it's sci-fi rules. So backup power goes to certain things sometimes in shows. <laughs> yeah. Like if this is the Star Trek universe, those comms aren't working. Backup power powers. Like these little shitty lights and the fucking no, not even the shields, <laughs> like the like the fucking the little shitty lights and like maybe sometimes oxygen. Oh yeah, life support. That's inf- that's that's important. Yeah, the Star Trek writers are so mean. They're like, everything else is down. But Kino, he gets up there and he he doesn't really know what to say, but Cassian coaches him and tells him, you know, like, hey, this is only gonna work if you're the one who gives the speech. So we're gonna get into the speech in the quotes section. But his speech rallies the entire prison. And it's it's incredible. It's absolutely amazing. So the prisoners, they're all rallying together and they begin to liberate the entire prison together. And they're all chanting one way out. And we'll we'll get into that in the quotes. They make it to the loading ramp. Everybody gets up. We see all these like shots back and forth as he's giving the speech of Melshi leading, like, a massive group. Like, Melshi's leading, like, a big-ass group. Yeah, he's leading a charge. Melshi and, and Cassian, they, they like, meet up randomly in a hallway, almost shoot each other, like, all right, what's up? And then they, like, lead... Ev- the two of them pretty much lead everybody out. As we're seeing this, we see guards hiding in other rooms, like, just sitting there hiding, huddled together, terrified. With guns, yeah, it was so... It was kind of funny. 
It's adorable. They're little terrified little oh, look guards. Look at you, cute Imperials. Look at you, cowering from the people you've been torturing. And that's the thing. Like, they really, it really shows that they had no power. They really had truly no power but hydropower. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> like, they get up to the top of the loading ramp and they realize, well, shit, there's no transports here. Like, we can't fly out of here. And they all look down and it's, it's I guess, a sea or an ocean. I don't know exactly where, like, what it is. But yep. they look out, and you can see land. They can see land. You can visibly see land. So they all start jumping. They're like, fuck it. And they jump down, and they're all surviving this jump into the water. So they are all start swimming. We see all these, like, people swimming away. It's really sad because Kino, he's got this, like, strange look on his face. And he just looks at Cassian and Melshi, and the, the three of them are looking at each other. And he goes, I can't swim. Cassian kind of he kind of hears it. And he's like, wait, what? <laughs> And Melshi's like, what, what did you say? And he goes, I can't swim. And then the two of them get pushed off by other people. Like, they fall almost in the water. Literally, Cassian turns to, like, go talk to Kino. And some dude, like, pile drives him off the yeah. edge of the platform. Where, I mean, this is this is everybody's last chance. Like, they're just going to do it. So they all just jump. Um, yep. I will say we don't see Kino for the rest of the episode. So we don't know no. if he's still standing on that platform. We have no idea. Back on Coruscant, that same supervisor that we saw uh, making suggestions to Daedra's plan earlier is now dressed up in civilian clothes, and he's making his way through the bowels of Coruscant, not unlike we saw Luthen's aide doing in a previous episode. Yeah, this is like the bowels, bowels, though. He's like... Yeah, this is like the nasty part of town. I mean, he, I don't think he's on the surface level right now. There's no, like, giant rats and stuff, but he is definitely in an underground... Uh... Yep, he's in the maintenance yeah. tunnels and the yeah. sewers. He makes his way to an elevator. So he's gone down only to go up again. And yep. once inside, he sees like a little, you know, like AirPod or whatever, or Beat Fit Pro thingy, and he puts it in, little little <laughs> communicator. I Dude, I thought Beats by Dre the second he put it on his fucking <laughs> ear. I, I was like, I shouldn't, but... We are not sponsored by that. Uh, but anyway, yeah. uh, he, he puts it in and Luthen starts speaking to him. And he's giving instructions to Lonnie. He's telling him, like, I haven't heard from you. I think about you all the time and all this other shit. How's your daughter? I heard your wife just gave yeah. birth. Which freaks him out, yeah, by the way. Yeah, he knows, like, everything about Lonnie. And Lonnie ends up telling him about Daedra and all this stuff. What's going on? And then Luthen kind of just is like, uh-huh, cool, okay. Uh, that's great, that's great, that's cool. And Lonnie's like... What about Altani? Was that you? And he lies to Lonnie. He, he's like lying to Lonnie a lot yep. about specific things, but he's truthful about other things. Luthen never tells the truth. He never tells the truth, the full truth to his allies. Clearly, clearly, he says that he heard about Aldani, but he doesn't claim responsibility for it. Yeah. And then Luthen's like, that's not all you're here for. And he's like, well, also, you know, they captured a pilot uh, and tells Luthen about the whole situation. Yeah, and Luthen's great because Luthen just goes, cool. He's like, but hey, those guys are going to die. And Luthen's like, I know. He doesn't give a shit. He doesn't care. And and he makes the point, like, hey, those guys are going to die. And Luthen goes, yeah, but if they don't, something will, someone will think something's amiss. And I think the, the most critical lie that he tells, which I love, is uh, he says that Daedra is on to someone named Axis. And Luthen laughs. And says, well, I want you to encourage that. And Lonnie says, why? And he goes, because she's going in the wrong direction. Which is a complete and total lie. 
Yeah. The noose is tightening around Luthen's neck and he lied to the one guy who could help throw him off the scent because he knows that if something were to happen to him, he's still a contact that the rebels could use one day. Yep. In fact, Lonnie, he arrives at the end of the lift and comes face to face with Luthen and he tries to get out. He tells Luthen, like, I can't do this anymore. You know, I've got a daughter. I've got a family to consider. And Luthen's right away just goes, what are you going to tell the ISB? And he goes, oh, I'll say it's my health. And Luthen's like, no, you can't. You are far too valuable to lose. We spent six years feeding you. So think about this. He spent six years feeding Lonnie information about the rebels, helping him catch rebels. Luthen has been sacrificing rebel cells to make this guy look more and more prominent in the eyes of the ISB, just so that he can get into a higher position of power to give them real, actionable intelligence. The amount, like, the amount of blood that is on Luthen's hands could fill an ocean. It's insane. And he, uh, we're, we're going to get to it in the quotes, but he gives this, this amazing speech in response to Lonnie's question of, well, what have you sacrificed? And it is incredible. And we're going to, we're going to do the, we're going to talk about the whole thing at the end. But I got scene. I loved that scene so much because it was very, very much uh game of Thronesian. Oh we, yeah. We keep throwing game of Thrones as a comparison for Andor. And I'm like, Man, if this show keeps going the way it is, it's going to be better. <laughs> it it's it really does feel like Game of Thrones. Like I think that's the only reason why we keep bringing it up is it feels pre-season 8 Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to make that <laughs> distinction. House I should just start saying House of the Dragon cuz House of the Dragon is better. Now, well, I yeah, I am really enjoy I I like the first season. We end this episode with Cassian and Melshi finally making it to land and they are running on a beach away from imperial searchlights and drones that are clearly looking for escaped prisoners. We got to remember, we saw at least a couple of dozen people swimming away from the station. Are these two the only ones that survived the swim? Oh, shit, yeah. Are these the only ones that survived the swim plus the patrols? Because that would be tragic if of the 5,000 people on that thing, only the two of them made it out. But that's something that we can talk about in our questions. Before we get to those, we need to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with you with our questions, comments, and concerns. Okay, we are back, and I, Jaden, I gotta know, man. Like this episode was one of the best ones. So, and it was short too, but it was one of the best. I yeah. gotta know. What do you think? What do you think about the prison arc? What do you think about this episode? So, I think that this episode, in terms of of acting, might be the one that they should submit for Emmys oh, because yeah. the the speeches delivered by. And it's going to be hard because uh, uh, Andy Serkis's character and uh, Skarsgård's characters both have an argument for Best Supporting Actor awards, in yeah. my opinion. Oh, yeah. And that's not, that's not to say that Diego Luna does not deserve an actor nomination because he has been solid throughout this entire show as oh, yeah. well. Totally. The acting of this has just been so... I mean, they literally have emptied the vaults of all of the like best actors they could find in Europe just to put into this show. And I, it's, I, it's so good. This, this prison break episode, it was, it was so, it was self-contained. It was small, but the action did not detract from the politics side of the show. I wouldn't be surprised if George Lucas was watching this show and was just like, so pleased with how the political side of it is being woven in. You know, we didn't really get to talk about this a couple episodes back, but like when, when Saw Guerrera listed off all of the factions 
that would eventually form into the Rebel Alliance. I bet George Lucas was sitting there being like, oh, yeah, look at all that politics. It's so good. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if this show made George Lucas go, all right, you know what? I kind of want to be involved more again and asked to be involved because it's it's Star Wars. It feels Star Wars. It feels... Yeah. It feels... Again, I've said this before. I know you've said it before. It feels like there is more to this universe than Jedi and Sith. There is so much more. And it's fleshing out even how I view the Star Wars universe. And I think it's so much fun to be able to pivot to all these different things that can happen. Again, aside from, cool, I get it. Space Wizards, they're awesome. It's it's really cool. But, like, the immersion. I will say this. Shows like this... Shows like this make the Jedi more special. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. Because I mean, even when even in Rogue One, we never we don't have a Jedi. We just have a guy who's force sensitive. Yep. Who believes in the force. And even then that moment was so powerful when he's able to turn the generator on. This is a show without like, let's be honest here. If Luke, if Luke or uh <laughs> if Luke or Mace Windu is stuck in this prison break scenario, it's over in a couple of couple episodes. They're just gonna force mind trick all these bored guards yeah. into letting them go. Yeah. Like it's not a difficult thing to escape from. But with this show, like the stakes are real. I mean, as we see at the end of the episode, the entire prison is dead except for Melshi and Cassian. Well, I mean, we don't know. Maybe they scattered. Maybe they, they've scattered. Yeah. But I mean, you'd, you'd think that a big group like that would want to stick together. Agreed. Agreed. I think last episode, we talked about Cassian coaching Kino a little bit in his leadership skills. And it's definitely much more prevalent here. I think it shows that Cassian could be a great leader. That's a, another thing. It shows that Cassian, so far, I think this whole series, but this episode, it really shows that Cassian could be a great leader. But I don't think he wants to. I think he's fine with not leading, unless, like, obviously in the battlefield, like, in the moment kind of thing. But overall, he doesn't mind being, like, a guiding voice for those in charge. And one yep. thing, too, is he doesn't abuse it either. At least we've seen that so far. He he could easily abuse this trait of his, but he chooses to, like, really not, and like, guide the situation. It's I would say it's a little bit more situational um, for him in terms of leadership. Like, he, he doesn't always coach, but when he sees that it has to, he jumps in right away. We're definitely seeing Cassian evolve into a team player. Oh, yeah, totally. I think that, you know, before he was very much used to working alone, and then the Aldani heist was a big leap for him in terms of trusting and working with other people. Yep. That trust was immediately shattered. Oh, yeah. By, by certain elements of the yeah, team, yeah, immediately yeah. betraying them once they got the money. But hey, yeah, whatever. Yeah. This prison arc was actually, you know, they say prison can be constructive, and this one clearly was because it taught Cassian to actually <laughs> trust the people around him. Well, that's the other thing, too. He had to. He was forced to. With I think being there for like a month and having to be part of a unit and a team, I think it just ingrained teamwork uh, yeah. in his psyche, and I think he understands it more. Because I think the Aldani thing was a big deal for him, but I also don't think he truly understood teamwork there because the teamwork was... Let's be real here. The Aldani heist, they got lucky because it yeah. was, I mean, it was planned well, but they got really fucking lucky. Uh, they lost. And even then, most everyone. of them died. Yeah, exactly. Whereas I think this being locked up in this terrible situation, having to do the same thing over and over again, I think it taught him. It taught him patience. Yeah, too, patience. Honestly. Yep, yep. You're right. But I think it, it taught him the values of like 
understanding the mechanics of a team. And, like, switching people, you know, his idea to switch people, he saw traits in specific people and knew, okay, instead of saying, you go switch with, you know, Olaf, he was like, I'm going to switch with Olaf because I am faster at this and I have the skill trait to do that. And Olaf could still do what I was doing and still be like, there's a lot more to it than just like, okay, I'm going to switch because I feel bad. Like it was, there was, there was planning involved in why he wanted to switch with him. Absolutely. Let's get into some quotes. There are pretty good quotes in this one. I will say there's two speeches. We are not going to jump in Kino's speech for very long, just because a lot of it is him just reiterating to the prison what, you know, happened on floor two. Yeah. But we're going to start off chronologically here. The first quote is Cassian talking to Kino. They're arguing in the weird shower room Steam thing. bath. Yeah, steam bath. Yeah, steam room area. Cassian says to him, right now they're afraid. Kino says, afraid? Afraid of what? Cassian leans in and says, they killed 100 men to keep them quiet. What do you call that? And Kino says... I call that power. But Cassian says, power, power doesn't panic. They're coming at this with the different perspectives. Kino's perspective is that of a man who has been imprisoned for who knows how many years. Andor is coming from a perspective of, this is what I do for a living. I break into Imperial facilities and steal their shit because I know how they think. And right now they think, oh, fuck. Yeah. Well, also... If you look at later on in the episode, so Kino is panicking throughout the majority of last episode and this episode, right? Like stuff is uh, is out of the ordinary for him. He's panicking. Even when he has to give that speech, he's panicking, right? I think he remembers what Cassian says and says power doesn't panic. Because when he gives that speech, you see him all of a sudden look at Cassian and calm down. And then says his speech. And I think that means a lot more to him than just, you know, these guards, they're panicking. Like, there's, I think Kino is learning about power itself and realizing, no, I need to keep a clear head and a calm, you know, demeanor and I can can do this. All right. So we're not going to talk about the whole of Kino's speech because it's it's a pretty long speech. We're going to grab some memorable quotes from it. The next quote is, we will never have a better chance than this. And I would rather die trying to take them down than giving them what they want. And I love that because that is very clearly a, a, a variation of what Luthen told Andor in, in the, I think it was like the second episode. Yeah. I guess a game of inspiration telephone being told <laughs> down the line here. Because now it's being told to all these prisoners and provided any of them escape alive. Again, we only saw Cassian and Melshi at the end of this episode. Uh, they'll they'll spread that tale to their friends and rebel relatives. And so I, I think that Andor is getting more and more on board with the idea of actively resisting the Empire. You know, before he was passively just leeching off of them, stealing things here and there. But I think now he's like, hey, they took they've taken a month of my life. I will not let them take any more. Yeah. Yeah. What's cool is like Cassian, you know. He kind of did infiltrate this prison in a way <laughs> and yeah. steal from the Empire, right? A little bit. Yeah, he, you know, is Cassian's entire thing is breaking into places and stealing from them. I mean, they they think he's Keith Gergo, so There you go. Which that oh, I didn't I didn't think about that. That's going to be interesting when Melshi finds out what Andor's real name is. That's going to be 
I wonder how he's going to react because that could be a point of tension between the two of them. Exactly. I don't think it will be, but it could be. Now, the next quote is the ending part of Kino's speech. He says, you need to run, climb, kill. You need to help each other. And then he looks at the camera, and it's almost like he's talking to us, the audience. He says, you see someone who's confused, someone who's lost. You get them moving, and you keep them moving until we put this place behind us. And that, oh shit, I loved it. It was, yep. it almost felt like manifesto-ish, you know? Like, I think this quote is representative of, like, the whole arc, right? Cassian has been helping everybody in this prison. He's been helping his team, right? Like, the, the whole teamwork thing, right? So, I think that this is kind of a really cool addition to how he's going to view the Rebel Alliance. I think all these little arcs are building into Rebel Cassian Andor, and it's it's really fucking yep. cool. It's very cool. And then, of course, there's the line that everyone's shouting, one way out, which reminded me so much of the prison break from Black Ops, Call of Duty Black Ops. Oh, yeah. You're right. Like, this entire sequence reminded me of that, and I was like, this is this is amazing. It was it's so cool to see these kind of these kinds of movements playing out in a Star Wars setting. I think the whole prison break in space was is badass. It was very oh, fun great. and inspiring too. The music that was playing was great. And can we please talk real quick, Andy Circus? Holy shit! The man's been wasted for decades behind the CGI face mask. He should be in front of the camera a lot more. The man's amazing. When they when they spoilers when they killed him in Black Panther, I was very upset. Yeah, because I was like I was like, oh great, a, a, another fun movie villain. No. Yeah. Now the next quote is Lonnie in the elevator talking to Luthen. He says, "It's not fair, you knowing, watching. Do you ever think about how it might feel from my side?" And I think that's a pretty good way of showing how, even though you might be working with somebody and you might be like you know. I want to say controlling them, but Luthen clearly has a very big impact on Lonnie. He's the reason why Lonnie is where he is in his job and all that other shit, but he's using fear almost to scare Lonnie into continuing to work with him. I think him just outright saying like, do you, how do you think I'm feeling right now? You don't see that in a lot of those kinds of uh, shows where they show this kind of, you know, uh, spy under yep. underling thing. The pressure on the spy. Normally, yeah. you know, it's James Bond. Oh, I'm cool, collected. I'm yeah, fine. Yeah, I can, yeah. you know, nothing's bothering me. Hell, I'm not even coming up with a new identity for myself. I'm telling everyone that I'm James Bond. Yeah, yeah. This is like no. This is this is actual. Like the stakes are real here. He's not. This this character is completely disposable. And he knows it. And I think it's cool that he's saying like outright, like, "Hey, man, the way you're like treating me, you know, always watching me and all this creepy shit, like." I don't like it. It makes me feel like terrible and all this stuff. And I'm scared. And like, he, he's implying all these things by just that one sentence. And again, you don't see that too often. And I think that this, no. this, this really is a different side of that spy shit that I think it's not, it's a breath of fresh air to see. Absolutely. So we're going to talk about the next quote, which is when he was, we kind of already talked about it, but I'll, I'll recap it too. I, I wrote it down uh, when he says, uh, Daedra is looking for someone named Axis in, in, Luthen says, uh, I want you to encourage it. It's like, why? Because she's wasting time. 
Luthen is aware that his I think Luthen's aware that his his time as a as as his persona is coming to an end if Daedra finds him and I think the noose yeah. is tightening. He's going to realize very soon that he needs to, you know, he's got that that backup plan. You know, he's got the ship, he's going to flee in it. But I think he's realizing that that soon he will have to come into the light after being in the shadows for 15 years. Well, I also think the because she's wasting time, I think he wants her to continue to do this because at least the other stuff the rebels are doing they'll be able to do because if she's so focused on him he's been hiding for 15 years and we'll talk about why we know 15 years but he's been hiding for so long and they have obviously been looking for him but if he can distract them long enough for them to continue to keep you know looking like it'll be great for the rebels because they'll be able to do more things Mm-hmm. So I think he's fine with that. He knows how to hide. He's been doing it for a while. So he just needs to do it better at this point. He also then tells Lonnie, because Lonnie says, you know, he wants to leave. And he tells Lonnie, you're trapped, Lonnie. Like, there's yep. no way you're getting out of this. You you can't get out of the ISB. We spent too much time yeah. getting you into this position. Yeah. And like we said before, he's literally sacrificed who knows how many rebel, smaller rebel cells to keep this guy employed. Now, speaking of sacrifices, this is Luthen's speech. Uh, Lonnie asks, you know, and what have you sacrificed? And this this speech is the speech is fucking awesome. He looks at Lonnie and goes, calm, kindness, and kinship, love. I've given up all chance at inner peace. I've made my mind a sunless space. I share my dreams with ghosts. I wake up every day to an equation I wrote 15 years ago from which there's only one conclusion. I'm damned for what I do. My anger, my ego, my unwillingness to yield, my eagerness to fight, they've set me on a path from which there is no escape. I yearn to be a savior against injustice without contemplating the cost, and by the time I looked down, there was no longer any ground beneath my feet. What is my, what is my sacrifice? I'm condemned to use the tools of my enemy to defeat them. I burn my decency for someone else's future. I burn my life to make a sunrise that I know I'll never see. And the ego that started this fight will never have a mirror or an audience or the light of gratitude. So what do I sacrifice? And then he yells, everything. God damn. Yeah, this Christ, it's so fucking good. Well, it shows a couple things. One. 15 years. Now we know he's been doing this for 15 years. This is the window into his character right now. We see that he's given up all positive emotions, if you will. He's given up love, kinship, all of his kindness. He doesn't give a fuck anymore. And then he says that he has been damned to use his enemy's planning and abilities and all their stuff against them. So clearly, he's an empire person. That's what he is. He is a clone of the Empire to defeat the Empire, right? Yep. Like what well, we talked about before, like him willingly sacrificing. Yep. You know, the, the, uh, the guy says, hey, that raid, they're going to be all killed. He's like, it's 50 men. You know, the Empire wouldn't hesitate to sacrifice 50 men. Exactly. The rebellion, I mean, how many times have we seen an episode of Rebels where they're like, oh no, those hostages have been captured. We need to go save them. Yep. Luthan would have been like, fucking why? You're, I'm not risking two Jedi Knights in an operation to save three farmers. Yep. And the other thing too is, When he says, you know, he had ego, he had all these things, 
earlier, he wanted to be the hero. He want like that's the thing is, I think in the beginning he was a little blinded by his ego. Oh, for sure. And then he became self aware of it and was like, oh, me like having this whole thing about like me 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 me, that's not how you do it. And then he switched over to say like obviously like I'm not gonna see the sunrise. I will probably die. I'm not going to be the one. I'm sacrificing everything for everyone else. He's living the way that the prisoners have said they were going to live, that they were already dead, and that this, anything else, is extra. His prison is his, his own mind. mind. Like, fuck, man. What a way to end the prison arc, right? <laughs> absolutely. And and the other thing, too, is he still kind of has that ego, though, right? Oh, absolutely. Because if you think about that, you know, he keeps saying he wants heroes. That's what he kept saying to Lonnie and called Lonnie a hero. I need my heroes yep. and all that. I need all the heroes I can get. I think he's still full of shit in him in his mind. And I think either he's aware of it or he's not. Or maybe he's just lying to Lonnie. I don't know. That's the thing is I, I think there's only one person he's ever told only one person he's ever told the truth to, and it was his assistant. <laughs> yeah, but I also think this is the most truthful thing he said. So far, Talani. Oh, yes, I agree. I think that, you know, this is still kind of a bit of an ego. He still is, like, on a high horse when he says this. And I think he's a bit dramatic at points, but this this speech is fucking great. Absolutely. And then at the end, he says to Lonnie, he goes, you'll stay with me, Lonnie. I'll need all the heroes I can get. And, you know, like, oh, shit. Like, I think, again, I do think, like, him being this, like, big broker... And, like, guy who goes across the different rebel, you know, uh, groups. I think he definitely sees himself as, like, the leader. And that does fuel the ego. So I don't know if maybe he's not self-aware of the new ego maybe he's created. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Maybe. Maybe. Okay, I think we're going to wrap up soon. But first, we need to get into some questions. I think my big question is, what the fuck happened to Kino? (laughs) Yes. I... I'd like to imagine there's a scenario where we see him for like two more episodes and him like taking control of the prison with the prisoners who couldn't escape due to like their inability to swim. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe they have taken control of the prison and we see like a great standoff between like, you know, Imperial forces having to take back the prison and him and his troopers maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Melshi is more connected with the rebel cell than we think he is. And maybe they'll go back with some ships to save him. Hmm. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. I think that's me being a little... See, here's the thing. That's what would happen in Star Wars. This show is not Star Wars <laughs> in that sense. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's what should happen in Star Wars. You know, the, the hero gets away. He comes back with the reinforcements. We get the great shot of the, the ships flying onto screen. There's a big battle, and they, they save the day. I don't think that's what we're going to get. What we're going to get is Kino lined up against the wall and shot. Yeah. And I don't want that. I want him to live. I don't want that either. But that's also why this show is so good, because we love these characters who are such minor players in this universe that we've known for, you know, forever. That's what's nuts to me. Like, we see the doctor, Harry Potter's dad, we see him during the escape, and he's just standing there, like, not even moving. Everybody's running by him, and he's just, like, in awe of all of it. And that's... I don't know, man. This this show's fucking awesome. I want to know... Like mostly, like obviously, like that Kino, but like what's what's next for everyone? Like I gotta know. I, I'm so involved in these people's stories. Uh, I want to know. 
will Cassian get that whole manifesto back? Like, are his belongings still in that apartment? Would he fly back to that apartment to try to get his money? I think he will. I think we'll see him try to get his money back and, you know, the the stuff he got from Aldani. I think it's still there because I have a feeling, like, the girl that he was with doesn't really miss him. I, I, I will say this. I think... He's going to go back to that apartment and he's going to find his shit, most of his money gone, but that book's still going to be there. And I think that's that's the real treasure for him. That will be. Um, I can see that. Uh, I want to know what's up with Luthen. I need more. I need more Luthen, baby. Give me, a little, give me more. I need more. Um, yeah, that's those are my biggest questions. We have two episodes left. Yep. What? Like, what do we got in two episodes? Like, I try, so much has happened in in this show so far. I know we said it last one. Like, we feel like we've been watching the show forever, but like in a good way. So, what's gonna? I prison arc is now over, right? Or maybe we'll have a little bit of remnants in the beginning of the episode. But like, prison arc's over. What's next? Yep. So, final thoughts. I'm curious. This episode overall, what are you, what are you feeling? Uh, great. I'm excited to see the wrap up for this season. Yeah, I would agree. I think this episode was done really well. I think it did a really good job of building up tension in the beginning and then building up the excitement of a prison break. Um, I liked the coaching of Kino, Kino's speech. I think Kino Loy was a great character, is a great character. I want him to still be around. Andy Circus, fuck yeah, kicking butt. <laughs> Uh, Luthen's Luthen's speech really good. I liked that we've now officially seen one of the ways that Luthen gets his information, like why he knows about the ISB and like what's been going on. Um, I think that's really cool. I like the tie-in with the group that Luthen was trying to get to, you know, join Saw Gerrera, and now clearly they're fucked. And I like to see how Luthen's mind is thinking. And I liked the sh- the lighting of that shot. It, honestly, it kind of felt Star Trekish as well because Lonnie's in all this green lighting and it's really dark and everything. And then Luthen is is you know on this giant bridge that has no handlebars and could fall at any time. That's the thing with Star Wars. There's all these bridges with no handlebars, no safety rails. Like what is the fuck? Nope. But yeah, overall, great episode. I loved it. I thought it was really good. I have zero notes for this episode because it was very very good. Zero. And with that, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. And be sure to connect with us on Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter at lore underscore party. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you on the next one.